Hello, I'm M. And I'm Eyes. And welcome to our brand new podcast, Tipples and Tolkien. Let us be your guides as we return to Middle Earth this fall with the premiere of the new Amazon show, Rings of Power. We'll discuss episodes with you, tell tales of old, and even bring you a brand new tipple recipe every week to enjoy. You can find us on all major podcast platforms, as well as Twitter, which is at Tipples Tolkien, that is T-I-P-P-L-E-S T-O-L-K-I-E-N and Instagram at Tipples and Tolkien. So cozy up, pour yourself a drink, and come on a journey with us this fall on Tipples and Tolkien. Previously on Set Condition One. It's in the fucking shit. Action stations. Action stations. Set condition one throughout the ship. This is not a drill. Repeat. Action stations. Action stations. Set condition one throughout the ship. This is not a drill. The Cylons were created by man. They rebelled. They evolved. They look. And feel. Human. Some are programmed to think they are human. There are many copies. There are many copies. And they have a plan. Action stations. Action stations. Set condition one throughout the ship. Wait, that's not right. Hmm? Action stations. Action stations. <laughs> now, y'all, this is not a drill, all right? Seriously. Uh, are you sure? Are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> action stations. Action stations. Set condition one throughout the podcast. Welcome again to Set Condition One, a Night Shift Radio original. I'm your host, SC1 Actual Caleb, and joining me, wandering about the ship like a mad person, <laughs> is the XO Kitsy. <clears throat> My name is Saltai. That's a Nadamba voice. What am I doing? <laughs> so now I've built it up too much. I can't do it. My name is Saltai. I'm God damn it. You can do this. You know what? I'll just rec- I'll record it later and, and you can splice it in. Wait. Well, you need your touchstone. I don't know what it is. is oh, is it salt water or is it cobalt or is it? You can't drink cobalt. Guys. <laughs> My name is Saltai. I'm an officer in the Colonial Fleet. Whatever else I am, whatever else it means, that's the man I want to be. And if I die today, that's the man I'll be. Oh. That was a good suggestion, Andrew. Thank you for the, the no, you're, you're welcome. It's my extensive acting background. So, Can anyone else, like, smell that line? <laughs> what? what? <laughs> no. No. Yeah. And, of course, not smell? wanting to get out of bed today is the president of the podcast in the 12 Colonies, Andrea. <laughs> I can't wait to talk about that scene. It's very, it's, it's very good. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, the, the scene in question actually, uh, pretty much opens the episode. So let's, let's talk about it. There's, there's been a lot lately of Adama and Rosalind being people that I don't really like, which makes me sad because 
I love them. I love them when they're out there with their best as people. And I love them in their quiet moments together. And we get Mm -hmm. one of the best opening this episode. Oh, am I the one who who talked about about it because I said that? (laughs) It's just a nice return to form of the two of them being like like flirty but mom and dad flirty it's like pretty wholesome although it's another instance now that i think about it of uh adama thinking the worst thing you could call a person is a fat ass i think it's the third time he's said that to somebody twice it was his son and once it was the the woman he i think loves apparently that's just a motivator for for soldiers i don't know yeah it worked for Roslyn. not 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 for nothing but he's not exactly uh, a skinny spring chicken himself so i know but hurt people hurt people. I think it's, it's one of those things he's projecting. That's true. But what he's not is lazy. That's right. Yeah, so the, the, the president uh, calls the, the, the admiral up while he's, while he's shaving. He's having his morning shave. Mm-hmm. We assume it's morning. There's no morning in space. Uh, and she's like, you know, I just I, I don't want to get out of bed. And he's like, you know, don't, don't let him get you down. She's like, I, just, I need motivation. Yell at me. He's like, <laughs> get out of bed. She's like, you can do better than that. That's when he uses the line, get your fat, lazy ass out of bed, Rosalind, <laughs> out of that rack. <laughs> she says, yes, sir. <laughs> you say, sir. Yes, sir. Right away, sir. Whatever you say, mm-hmm. sir. Oh, it's great. Yep. It's it's wonderful. Uh, but meanwhile, while they're having some, some sweet time over the phone, um, apparently Anders and Tori is a thing. <laughs> yeah, they're having some sweet time not over the phone. Yeah. I... Real quick, though, I just realized as I was thinking about that, it's very clearly like it seems like they talk to each other every morning. Like that's the first thing when Rosalind gets up in the morning, she calls Adama because it doesn't seem like it's out of the norm for her to call him. Right. Right. They're having their like little morning check in. It's very sweet. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's all. I just I, I love them. And like you said, I'm, I'm happy to be back loving them because it's been yeah, it's been a little yeah. while. Yeah. Um. Yeah, something that that started out as just like official business between the president and the the admiral mm-hmm. fleet has turned into something a little more, uh, and I like it. But yeah, and Anders and Tori are a thing which which snuck up on me, and uh, we do have some confirmation in this episode that Anders did in fact join as a pilot. So he's yeah, we do get some confirmation yeah. this episode, don't <laughs> yeah. we? So uh, Anders and Tori are, are making it in the locked room, and uh, the there's a the banging. <laughs> sorry, on. pause, pause, pause. Everything. Did you just say making I it? I said making it. <laughs> just making sure. Yeah, okay. that's right. <laughs> They're making it. <laughs> I hate it. No. And there's a banging on the door, and uh, Anders goes to, to open it, and it's Celix and some of the other pilots, uh, which I would have put Anders and Celix together after that pyramid match last episode. Yeah. Like, well, the, I mm-hmm. feel like Celix would have put Anders and Celix <laughs> yeah. together too, because Celix's reaction to seeing him with Tori is not chill. And yeah, no, mm-hmm. it's it's real disappointed, real bummed. Like what? Why was the door locked? Oh, oh whoop! <laughs> it was legitimately like a oh moment. But somebody forgot to hang a scrunchie on the door. Scrunchie? So it's a sock. Yeah. Well, I guess if you don't, if you don't have a scrunchie, have a scrunchie. It's a sock, but um, you don't have a sock. Then you just write a big sign that says "sex" in here, and you stick it on the door. <laughs> but that's that's your third option. You got to go through the first two. Don't doors. open. Think, fucking think, inside, but like write it. <laughs> I don't know what write I it like that's, the, our, uh, that's our new merch. <laughs> yeah. Don't open fucking inside. (laughs) It's actually very good. The door, one of the octagonal. Yeah, yeah. 
Oh, yes, it would be. It would be. <laughs> and so's the sign. Oh, my God. But, yeah, that also explains why um, uh, Tori has been so sleepy lately. <laughs> and disheveled. And her and disheveled, exactly. <laughs> you know, I didn't think about that. That actually, uh, that is a, a very, uh, a very good explanation. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we, we have a, a momentary check-in on the uh, on Baltar's legal team, where it's taken Lee apparently hours or possibly days to you know, scour his, uh, his grandfather's uh, law books to come up with a brilliant idea. We should go for a mistrial. <laughs> and I was like, the fuck are you talking about? The fuck? <laughs> but it makes a good point. Uh, as we talked last week... Uh, the, def- uh, the, the prosecution has brought two pretty big deal witnesses, uh, both of whose credibility has been pretty much shattered. And so Baltar very much disagrees uh, in the idea of a, a mistrial, though. He's, you know, if, we, if anything, I, I think that that's helped our case and we're, we're going to win this. And I don't want to have to go through this again because this trial ends and I have to go back to my cell and wait to have another trial. Mm-hmm. Which is a fair point. Which is, yeah, yeah, reasonable. But he, he does say, he, he's like, no, there will be a verdict. And then he kind of, like, takes a moment and, like, covers his mouth with his hand like he, he didn't expect to say that. Like, I think this mm-hmm. is his first, like, I think it just became very real for him in that moment. Yes. Yeah, so. uh, just a brilliant little moment from James Callis on that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the trial's going to proceed. But before that, the, uh, the chief and Anders... Are both here in the song. Remember the music from last week? No. Can you, you tell me about it? <laughs> that that music. That's, that's the music. <laughs> Anders is on a, uh, a like a, a training tour essentially with with racetrack and some of the uh, other new pilots, and he starts hearing it, and he looks over and he sees the chief looking kind of funny, like he might hear it. Uh, so they have a little side conversation, and uh, they both confirm. Like and Anders says, "I've been I've been hearing it everywhere," and she's like, "Yeah, I don't know. I think it's just something I heard when I was a kid," uh, which is a very fascinating thing to say. Is it? Given what we find out not too far into the future, yes, I think it is. It's also an interesting thing to say. I'm sorry. Just for our listeners, this is the least echoey room I could find in this house because the person I'm dog-sitting for just moved in, so there's not a lot of stuff. Um, So I'm so sorry that I'm going to be a little echoey this week and also that there are no outlets nearby and I have to plug this in. Um, But So I shouldn't have started talking because I could have just um, edited the sound out. But it's it's like something I heard when I was younger. Did music just go away? Did music... (gasps) I'm sorry, I can't hear you. You're really echoey. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to go plug this in. You talk about this dumb song. I have thoughts about this song, but I'll save them for the end. Oh. It, well, if I say them now, they'll be spoilery. Mm, interesting. We never do spoilers here, so. Well, there's other stuff we got to talk about in the episode before we get to the, the, the real big season finale news. Which one? You know the one. There are several. I know. At least four. But yeah, so it, the, the music has started up again. We, we know now that uh, Anders and the Chief are, are hearing it, in addition to Ty, who last episode determined that it was in the fracking ship. But then uh, we get a scene in the, the hospital where 
Rosalind is getting her presumably chemo th- uh, treatment. It's Deloxin, I believe they, they call it. She's there. Um, Athena's there with Hera for some reason. I don't know, maybe getting a checkup or something like that. And uh, we have this moment where Rosalind drifts to sleep from the meds and uh, has the dream again of her chasing Hera through the opera house. Athena's there. The six picks her up, takes her into the, you know, into the, the auditorium area, whatever, with Gaius. And Athena and Rosalind both wake up screaming at the same time. And Kyle's like, the hell's going on here? They're both freaking out at the same time? Like, okay. Again, why wouldn't everybody say, oh, she must be a Cylon? And then I I love that he's like, well, someone tell me what the hell's going on here. Then he just walks away. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Did you want an answer or did you just want to complain? I uh, think you know the answer to that. Yeah, yeah I do. <laughs> exactly. So uh, I couldn't hear. I was walking away after I asked my question. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we we get this you know pointed moment between uh, Athena and Rosalind, where they're like, mm, "Did you? Did you? Were you? You? Me? You? Me? You?" Uh, and they decide to go visit the the six. And uh, they they walk in. They're like, "Were you just with us in the opera house?" She's like, "Uh." Whoa. Like, we'll take that as a yes. And she's like, that shouldn't mm-hmm. be possible. So, like, we don't know what this is. Like, is this Caprica's, like, projection that she talked about? And somehow, like, Rosalind and Athena are seeing it as well. Are they having a shared dream and a shared vision? Is something giving them that, this vision? Is it the the music? Is the music involved? We don't know. Well, yeah, because, and I'm saying this just based on what I thought going into this episode from the week before, not as a confirmed Spoiler, but yeah, it is the music because that's a Cylon song, as um, as is as was still my theory at this point. Um, it is, also is Cylon song like a siren song. It is like a siren song. Yes, it's oh, okay. a, um, in fact, yes. Thank you. Um, I actually think in this case that's literally correct, <laughs> right? <laughs> They, uh, Rosalind asked her, like, were you trying to reach Hera? And uh, Caprica just says, all I know is I, I needed to protect her with my life. And, like, this is, like, what's happening? It's, yeah. Why? It's getting, it's getting, like. Why is Gaius involved? Feel, yeah. Is Gaius well, having the, the dream, too? Because there, there's a moment when, like, a bunch of shit is happening all the, at once, and, and Gaius kind of stops as though he's he's hearing or seeing something. But we don't really get any confirmation of that. Yeah, that happens once that I can think of towards the end of the episode as well, unless that's the scene you're also thinking about. Possibly. Um, and I'm wondering about um, Rosalind in the episode or in the in the op- I'm wondering about Rosalind in the opera house because the to me the only logical explanation at this point is that she must be a Cylon, right? She's the only people we've seen talking about the opera house or interacting with the opera house are Cylons. Well, remember um, when the fleet was at Kobol? Um, Kobol! Thank you. Uh, Baltar went into the opera house and had a, a similar vision. Uh, he, he and the six in his head uh, saw right. the vision of the baby Hera before she was born. That's true, but six has been in his... Okay, so then I see what you're saying about it maybe being sixes. Unless he's Cylon by proxy. <laughs> Which, I mean, um, and Inverted. I'm just wondering if... 
He's a converted Cylon. <laughs> I mean, I think he would if he could. He kind of is, though, if you think, speak just solely from a religious aspect, because the Cylons have their monotheistic religion, and he, because of the the six in his head, and because of all the the weird experiences where like they test him, and like he, if he if he fails, things go bad, all that. Like he's he's basically converted to that. Like he refers to God now, not necessarily as a believer, but like as a more like as an acceptance or an acknowledgement, mm-hmm. like this is how I'm, I'm speaking. It's not necessarily from from a faith, more just a um, self preservation, I guess. You mean Gaius Baltar's one and only motivator? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Throughout his entire life. Well, one of two. Okay. The, the other fair. being, don't open fucking inside. Oh, I thought you were going to say macaroni and cheese. <laughs> uh, he would eat like really bougie macaroni and cheese, though. Mm hmm. Like with Gruyere. Yeah, like truffle oil and stuff. The truffle oil and Gruyere. Speaking of Gaius, there's one very small moment from last week's episode that we glossed over that uh, is important to mention here um, because it will have a payoff later. Uh, he gets a visit in his cell uh, from just some random woman. And she's like, Dr. Mm. Baltar, this is my son. And he's like, I'm sorry for your loss, but I swear I, like, I'm not responsible. She's like, no, 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 you don't understand. Like, he's sick. I want you to, I need you to bless him. Like, can you please bless Like, so she's coming to him like he's a prophet or like a god or something like that. And he and like, starts to say, like, look, I'm not. I'm not a god. I'm just a person. Leave me alone. And like, kind of, you know, shoes her out. Uh, but we do later see that woman in his trial. So like, mm-hmm. Hinting that she's not just a one-off appearance, uh, mm-hmm. so I wanted to make sure we acknowledged that. But I'm telling you, Bill, they put music in the ship. I can hear it. <laughs> it's uh, it's sabotage. There's there's it's Cylon sabotage. It is I, for one <laughs> sabotage <cannot>. with music. <laughs> uh, like, what would the plan be if that were what was happening? Earplugs? Drive everyone crazy. Like, what would the Cylon plan be? Right. Yeah. I mean, I guess we'll find crazy. out. We'll find out in the plan. Ah. Hey. Ah. Uh, but yeah, I think, yeah, like a, a you know, instill madness in individuals and also um, division from you know, people like being gaslit. Like, there's no music. Like, what are you talking about? You're crazy sort of thing. Uh, Maybe but, the plan is to get them into rock and roll. So they get into drugs. Oh, you know what? I thought it was to get them into rock and roll because the last time they tried to build a city, it wasn't very good. (laughs) Don't you remember? (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. You done did it now, Caleb. That was a sneak attack, huh? You didn't, you didn't know that was happening. Caleb, if you're not careful, you're going to find yourself knee-deep in the hoopla, which is an actual lyric from that terrible, terrible song. You know, it's really not that bad. It's the worst song ever written. It's, it's, it's objectively not. We can't relitigate not. this right now. It is definitely not the worst song ever written. Yes, it is. At, Again, Love Shack exists. That's true. Love Shack is a jam. No. Um, Rock Lobster is. All of this before, all of this again. <laughs> all of this has happened before. Et cetera, et cetera. Yada, yada, yada. 
But I, I do like Adama's reaction to this. Like, you know, Ty is like he he's not known for necessarily being the most stable person and is often drunk. And so him coming in <laughs> ranting and rambling about music in the walls, uh, it it would be very reasonable to think this person is not well at the moment. Um, but he says, you know, I, I believe you and we'll look into it. You'll look into it. <laughs> I'm here telling you the Cylon sabotage aboard our ship. <laughs> I just don't know what, what Ty wants him to, well, probably to start cutting into the walls and good like, Lord. At least, you know, get out of, you know, an octagonal cup and hold it against <laughs> Uh, but you know, Adama, like he wants to help his friend. He really does, but he doesn't have time. He's got to go to court. And so there's no way he believes Ty. So he's lied. I believe that he believes that Ty believes there's music in the walls, but I I think it's more like that. He's like, I believe you that you feel like you're hearing something. Mm -hmm. I don't believe that there's music in the walls. (laughs) Right. Um, the ship is singing us a song. Oh, I love that. Galactica, she's she sings when she's sad. Oh, but <laughs> well, of all the songs, though, what an odd choice! Uh, it's it's a very odd choice. Yes, it is, and we'll talk about that eventually. But uh, as Adama walks out of the room, Ty says a very strange line, <laughs> and I screamed. There, it's just so silly. There must be some kind of way out of here. <laughs> Which. If you recognize the song, makes sense, but it doesn't make sense as dialogue. It's like you know, he, it's as though he's starting maybe to remember the words. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Given what we know happens later, or I guess not even. Given my speculation at this point, they it seems like they're really giving up a lot of information at the top of this episode. Really, at the end of last one, mm-hmm. pretty quickly. Like, mm-hmm. I was watching this whole episode for one of these things to be some kind of misdirect. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I mean, we can get to the end. When we get to the end, we can talk about more whether or not that is the case at all. But Well, uh, along those lines of information being given up uh, early in the episode, we also learn uh, early on when, when there's the scene of... Uh, Anders and Tori, who forgot to, forgot to put out the sock. Tori confirms that she hears the music, too. Mm-hmm. So, so and far we know Ty, Tori, and um, who's the third? The there's chief. Third per- no, there's a third one who can hear the music. It happens in the episode before. Anders? I can't. Was it Anders? Anders, yeah. right, okay. Yeah, Just making yeah, sure yeah. it's Anders. Okay, so it's Ty so far. Yes. Confirmed they can hear the music. Ty, yes. Tori, and then the third one being... Anders, Anders. The, the, the pyramid player. The pyramid player. Okay, cool. Yeah. Just making sure. And, and okay. the chief. And, and the chief. Have we? Has he heard it at this point in the episode? I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. I was yeah. being I an asshole heard it the last episode. Now. Okay. Yeah, and you know, as Anders says at some point during this episode, you know, there's just there's just so much confusion. <laughs> it's so dumb. I love it. I need everyone <laughs> listening to understand that I love this. More than I've ever loved anything in my life, I think. But also, it is so dumb. My goodness. We should get through the trial so we can talk about the good stuff. Yes, please. So, that actually, uh, that works because that's next. Uh, We resume the the trial of Gaius Baltar. And on the stand, on the stand as a witness is Mr. Felix Gaeta. Mr. Gaeta. I am disappointed 
in Felix. Are you surprised? A little. Okay. Expound a on little. That. Well, I think it's important to say what what Gaeta does. Um, he lies. He straight up lies. Fully under, under oath. Uh, mm-hmm. He says that he was there and saw uh, saw Baltar sign the the death uh, death list, which he was not. Uh, said that Baltar did not put up any kind of resistance or fight, which he did, mm-hmm. and he fucking lied. Yeah, and we even get a, a flashback to the the scene as uh, Doral you know, shoves a gun in his face and starts screaming, "Sign your name! Sign it! Sign it! Sign your name, China!" Baltar uh, <laughs> says, um, "I won't do it. You're going to have to salve your conscience some other way." <laughs> I mean, we, we could we could rehash this. I think we talked about this back when that episode happened. But like, why do they even need him to sign it anyway? I know. Like, they didn't need him to do that. Well, again, I, I think what what we concluded at the time was that the the Cylons, uh, in order to maintain their uh, facade of you know we come in peace and unity. Uh, it had to come from as a, as an order from the legitimate government of the colonies, so to speak, I see. I uh, see. of uh, of Caprica, New Caprica. Uh, so it also makes for a handy paper trail later on when there's got to be a trial. That's a really good point. That's fair. Gata, who was Mister, we have to have a fair election, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm so committed to that, has no problem lying under oath. Baltar even like you know he calls him out. He's like you know you're this is lying. This man is, is clearly lying, and you know it's common knowledge amongst the fleet that you just very recently tried to stab me in the neck and you missed. <laughs> uh, he calls him Butterfingers. Butterfingers, that's right. I love somebody being so angry. They say something so dumb like that because you know he's back in his cell after he's like why did i say butterfingers <laughs> of all the things of all the things i could have said that explains the look on ho- look of horror on his face as he's wandering the halls later <laughs> exactly i i like um i i do like uh romo lampkin's strategy of of just not asking gate any questions after that and then mm-hmm. when guys calls him on it he's like He's like, look, he's already proven to to, uh, to us that he's not going to tell the truth. So what's the fucking point of questioning him anyway? Yeah, like exactly. he's just going to lie no matter what we ask him. So why why are we even going to give him the, the the time of day to do that? Mm-hmm. Um, which uh, I think is actually a pretty smart strategy. The only thing that I could think of that he he could have done uh, in cross examining Gata would have been to um, talk about the like physical assault on Baltar that happened that is documented. And so like Gata lying about that would you know, prove that he's been lying or that he is, is willing to, to perjure himself, thus discrediting him as a witness uh, and Gata admitting to it also in theory should discredit him as a witness because this is him like clearly showing that he has a like major conscious bias against the, the defendant. So mm-hmm. yeah, major conscious. Major conscious. I just noticed the effect the virtual background has on my tattoo. Weird. Can you hear that though? That is weird. Did you hear that fucking uh-huh. gremlin? Uh huh. The whole podcast heard it too. Well, I, I, actually, I will leave that in, but I'm going to cut all of the barking that she's doing now out. Yeah. So Romo, Romo Lampkin, uh, decides to change up tactics, and he decides to uh, call for a mistrial. 
which Baltar is like, no, 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 no. But uh, you know, it, he he goes for the the strategy of you know, on the grounds that you know at least one member of this panel of judges has already prejudged the the case and has determined uh, the guilt of the defendant. And I love Adama's reaction. It's a very serious charge, Mister Lampkin. Which judge? Oh, uh, that would be you, Admiral. <laughs> <laughs> like it's literally you. You just said this like yesterday morning or whatever to Lee. Um mm-hmm. and in order to back up this statement, he actually calls Lee to the stand. I love that he 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 even says, like, I have to make the very unusual step of calling uh you know my my associate to the stand or whatever. Like it's just it's it's so like, if you were going to write a parody of a courtroom drama, that's a line that would come out of it. Like, I have to make the very unusual step of doing mm-hmm. this. Uh, and, and then, of course, the, 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 you know, opposing counsel arguing. And, and he's like, I can cite at least seven precedents off the top of my head. And yes. the judge is like, I'm going to allow this. <laughs> <laughs> Everything about this whole trial is a, is a farce. And I love that uh, because in some ways it, it feels like it would be realistic because this tribunal of judges, they're... They're pilots and like a military officer. They're not like necessarily trained lawyers turned judges uh, who are like well versed in court procedure and everything. So I feel like a lot of this would be just them making it up based on what they saw on the on the octagonal TV. I mean, they're, they're not necessarily pilots. They're they're ship captains and commanders. They're, Sorry, yes, captains, not pilots. There's a well, well, either way, what they aren't. That, is, okay, they're they're not yeah. law professionals. Yes, yeah, yeah. that's yeah. what so they call them. My my point wasn't the, the I think that pilots is equivalent. I used the wrong word because words are hard. So he does call Lee. Lee doesn't want to go though. Lee, Lee mm-hmm. wants nothing to do with this, and it's like I will not testify against my father. And it's like you do what you got to do. Will. That's your choice. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so he he just begins immediately by asking, like, did you meet with your father, Admiral Dama, four days ago? And Lee confirms it. It's like, at that meeting, did Admiral Dama express his, an opinion as to whether the uh, defendant deserved a trial, which we know he literally said. He doesn't a, deserve a trial. He doesn't deserve a trial. <laughs> uh, and Lee just won't answer. And, um, you know, he, he kind of badgers him a bit. He's like, you know, all I'm looking for is the truth, Mr. Adama. Let's have it. I'm waiting. Answer the question. Like, just like, really, just like, you swore an oath. Answer the question. Oh, you can't handle you, the truth. Sign it. You halt the entire system of justice. What fracking system? Yeah. Uh, and the the head judge is not pleased with his language. Not a, not at all. Mm-mm. Nope. Not even a little bit. Roma tries a, a slightly slightly different tactic and um, decides to ask, like, do you believe? The defendant deserves a fair trial. And Lee says he does. And so Romo asks why. And he's like, aside from the fact that everyone deserves a fair trial, shade thrown to his father, (laughs) um, he looks directly at him. So like he didn't Mm -hmm. answer the previous question verbally, but he answered it. I also believe that he happens to be not guilty. And uh, the the courtroom is like, what? And That's of course, the first time we've heard Lee say that as well, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, Cassidy, the uh, the prosecutor, um, objects again. And 
And she's like, I must accept an exception here. He cannot testify in this manner. It's completely improper. And he says, I agree. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> and yet here I we would, are. I would also love to not be here, but. And I love that uh, it's Adama this time who's like, you know, you can, you can appeal to the president if you feel this influences the verdict. But I, for one, would like to hear this witness testify. And uh, judge number two, who is the, the only other one that ever speaks, I was like, so would I. <laughs> Ed Lee goes into this whole rant, uh, which, again, is exactly what I've been saying. Um, minus the fact that we know, you know, on Caprica, we know that guys did commit treason. Set that aside. The, the trial here is what's occurring on, what occurred on New Caprica. Uh, and I, I like Lee's point. You know, did he commit treason? No. Did he commit crimes? Yep, maybe, probably. Mm-hmm. Did he make mistakes? Definitely. Big one. Uh, you know, he says it was an impossible situation. And you know, what what would you have done? He turns to the, the, the room at large, like, what would you have done? What could any of us have done? You know, and the um, if he resisted, the silence would have nuked the planet. Boom, nobody leaves. You know, and you know, when it came time to to make a decision, when the silence arrived, we ran away. And I tried to convince my father to never go back. So if it were up to me, no one would have made it off. So like he's he's putting forth like really valid points that uh, had certain other decisions made, the thirty eight thousand or so that did make it off that planet wouldn't have anyway. He goes into this whole thing about like the crimes that that people have committed. You know him, you know pulling his gun on a superior officer and staging a mutiny. Uh, you know the Starbucks striking a superior officer. Murders and thefts and like all of these other things throughout the fleet. And he's like, you know, we've gotten pretty good at uh, at, at forgiving and at moving on because we've had to because we're not a society anymore. We're a gang and we're on the run for our lives. Uh, so I really like, like that. I really yeah. like that. That that, yeah. that whole that speech. Moment. It really is like that I, whole it's, speech is is some of uh, Jamie Bamber's finest acting in this show. It is, and it's, and, uh, and it kind of culminates in him saying like, you know, you know. You know, me, I did this stuff, forgiven. You, you did that stuff, forgiven. But not you, not Gaius Baltar. No, you have to die because, well, we just don't like you very much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's justice. Baltar <laughs> says, I know, but hey. <laughs> Guys, like, his face, uh, again, like, big kudos to uh, James Callis here. His face is alternating between, like, thank you and what did you say? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. But yeah, you know, you 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 know, you should have, uh, and we want to throw you out the airlock because you didn't stand up to the silence and get yourself killed in the process. That's justice. Now you should have been killed back on New Caprica, but since you had the temerity to live, we're going to execute you now. That's justice. And of course, the gallery, oh, everybody losing their minds. Rabble, 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 rabble. Yeah, <laughs> rabble, rabble. At the exact same time, it's really that's. Yeah, and that that exists, of course, just so uh, Frank's the chief judge uh, can bang her gavel and yell order, mm-hmm. order, <laughs> and uh, you know, Lee continues. You know, it's, you know, this case is built on emotion, on anger, on bitterness, on vengeance, uh, but most of all, it's built on shame. It's about the shame of what we did to ourselves back on that planet. It's about the guilt of those of us who ran away. And he turns again to his father, who ran away. Uh, and we are trying to dump it all, all that guilt and shame onto one man and then flush it out the airlock and hope that it just gets rid of it all so that we can live with ourselves. But it won't work. That's not justice. Not to me. 
And again, like really good writing here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's also for all of the like inconsistencies that we've pointed out in Lee's character and for all of the times where I felt like he's been a little bit of like a whiny woo without a backbone. And there are moments throughout the series where he does kind of stick to his convictions. And that's when I like Lee best. And it's when mm-hmm. I think his character feels strongest. And and oftentimes it's when he is pushing back against, <laughs> pushing back against the system man. Yeah. Um, but, and this is a really good uh, example of that. That's well, that's really it. Like every, I, I think every instance of a likable Lee has been when he has he has reached the edge of his convictions and said no more. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, here, I mean, he really does. Like obviously, this is weird as far as like legal precedent for the, the defendant's lawyer testifying and then like really not even like answering questions about the case, just monologuing. <laughs> but like, he also like clearly octagonally frames out the, <laughs> all of the reasons why this entire case is a fucking sham. Yeah. Well, and there's uh, one major one, which is everybody was pardoned by the president. Everybody. Yeah. She didn't say other than guys, Baltar. So mm-hmm. really at the end of the day, to me, that's kind of the long and the short of it. Yeah. That's a great call out. I totally forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. You, just a blanket that. pardon. Mm-hmm. And so the defense rests. Because they were that, really tired. After that speech, uh, Romo says, I don't want to drag this out any further with the defense rests. And the judges go back to deliberate a verdict. And they come back. And there's a verdict. But we have multiple Dreda's contacts. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to go ahead. The case. We're going to what? I said I thought that might be the case. Yeah, we do. Sure, we definitely I, I have. Thought I... Yeah, got, got those Doritos contacts. So we're going to go ahead and do the thing with the ads, and then we'll come back. Hey, listeners. It's Caleb from Night Shift Radio. If you're like me, you used to sit in your driveway for as long as it took to hear the end of whatever dramatic tale was playing out on public radio that night. The Storyteller series is a loving homage to that classic radio theater. Lose yourself in original short stories, performed by a full cast or delivered by a narrator, and designed to take you on an audible journey. The Storyteller series is a Night Shift radio original and is available wherever you listen to podcasts. Can't get enough? Or maybe you prefer the written word. Be sure to check out our monthly print edition as well at nightshiftradio.com storyteller. Hey there, listener. Did you know you're our favorite listener? That's right. You're a very special listener. And I, president of the podcast, Andrea, am here with a super secret recommendation just for you. There's another little podcast on our network that you may have heard of, and it's called Left of the Dial. Every week, your hosts, Caleb and Kitsy, talk about a different record they love. They also talk with really amazing guests. For example, a recent episode features New Jersey's second favorite son and king of the DIY comedy scene, Chris Gethard, and me. I was I was on that one, too. Focusing on new and independent music, they're a great way to find your new favorite band. And Left of the Dial is so excited to announce their new live in-studio music series, Left of the Dial Live. Head over to leftofthedial.live to check out recent sessions from the Tisburys, Hit Like a Girl, and Mikey Erg, just to name a few. While you're there, you're going to want to subscribe so you don't miss any of the incredible sessions they've got coming up. And as always, for more information on Left of the Dial Live, the Storyteller series, and all of our other wonderful shows, you can head on over to nsrad.io. Because it's rad. And it's it's like radio. Dreda's contacts. Dreda's, Dreda's, Dreda's. Have we done that? <laughs> I was about to, and then you beat me to it. <laughs> I can't believe we haven't yet. Oh, my goodness. Well, 
We, we missed our chance at the end of last year, but we'll, we'll have one more holiday season uh, <laughs> wow, and, wow, wow. and at this show. So they read the verdict. Which is? Wait, no. Say all. What do, what do they say? When you okay, come what did she in? say before the verdict? She says a thing. That's all like she back. Oh, is that it? Okay, do that. <laughs> and she says, uh, before I read the verdict, I'd like to make one thing clear. Like everything human, justice is imperfect. It's flawed. But it's those very imperfections that separate us from the machines. Mm-hmm. And they talk about the silence. Uh, oh. And maybe even makes us a species worth saving, which I love is a great callback to Adama's big speech yeah. in, yep. in the miniseries. Uh, the defendant will rise. Gaius Baltar, after carefully weighing the evidence, this you tribunal. Are not the father. <laughs> you are not the father. Uh, this tribunal, and a vote of three to two, finds you <laughs> not guilty. <laughs> <laughs> Timing could not have been better. I the- hate you. <laughs> Not guilty. Not guilty. guilty. Y'all got to feel me. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, interestingly enough, you would think that Adama was one of the people that voted guilty, but it turns out he wasn't. We find that out later. He is as stubborn as he is until he decides not to be. Like, (laughs) but it's, it's to me with Adama, it never feels like a wearing down. It's like, no, and I'm refusing to even listen or entertain the idea f- until suddenly I have this shift and I decide that, like, you know, whatever well, think, the thing is, he does it a lot. I think Lee convinced him. I think that speech mm-hmm. was very convincing. Yeah, I think so, too. Well, you know, let's uh, let's get right to that. <laughs> is this dog eating your hair right now? Is that what's yes. happening? Yep. Wow. I love it. She's, all, she's a monster. Stop. Oh stop. Goodness. That hurts. Down. <laughs> oh, <laughs> God, just got lots of love to give. Uh huh. Uh huh. Um, yeah. So th- there's a moment where Rosalind you know, kind of has uh, the admiral pulled aside, and she's just like fake shuddering, wow. like really, like really hamming it up, melodramatic. And she's like, "Guys, Baltar is innocent. Just the sound of that makes my skin crawl." <laughs> <laughs> Very exaggerated, exactly like that. Like exactly. I mean, I mean mm-hmm. yeah. Anyone who's was, watched was, the episode could confirm. I thought I was looking right at her just now. <laughs> uh, to which Adama rightly responds, "You know, not guilty is not the same as innocent," which is true. You you don't have to be innocent of any and all crimes to not be guilty of the one you were being tried for. Mm-hmm. Um. Or the specific charge, uh, and she's like, "It must have been particularly difficult for you. Like you just, you just couldn't get the other two to budge." <laughs> and he just kind of looks at her. She's like, "Oh." <laughs> uh, and you know, she's like, you, "You, how, what, how, why?" And he's like, "You know, I hate to say it. Defense made their case. The prosecution didn't." Which truth. Is true. Yeah. I mean, I agree. Not even just from a, like, trying to look at it objectively. I I think he's right. Um, but bumping back just a moment, uh, at the end of the trial, as the, the verdict is read in the, the courtroom, it just erupts 
again, uh, Baltar tries to give a whole you know, monologue, like, I knew I was right oh, from the man, very the start. And he... the, the, there was a way to demonstrate the sheer, what the, the hypocrisy is, what he's like, he's hamming for the, the media. He's really like putting on. Uh, and of course, people start taking swings at him. So they have to like drag him out. He uh, cannot help himself. Nope. He, he can't. He'd, like he really anybody can't. else would like put their head down and go open a shop on some small planet and like but he just has to start no he wants to do a book tour immediately immediately and uh he he asks uh romo to to help him with it i mean clearly like we've got it we've established a rapport and of course like you'd be the the perfect one to help and there's all the the book tours and the royalties and romo's like hey you know with this legal system in place now uh they can use a motherfucker like me. <laughs> <laughs> and he uh, he just walks away. Yeah. I do, I do question, like, like your, your trial attorney is not the person you ask to help you organize a book tour. Like, that's, what? Well, he, she's trying to eat the mic cable. He's not a, um, he's not a publicist. Ballpark. Is so stupid. Did you forget that Baltar, for all of his genius, is also so stupid? If he hadn't gotten himself murdered, the first lawyer probably <laughs> would have done it. He seemed like the the type that would yeah. pivot immediately to like agent publicist uh, if the money was good, uh, and the the murderin was not. The <laughs> um, murderin was murderin. The, yeah. the murderin was good. Did we ever find out who killed? Um... Oh boy. The guy on Cloud Nine. We did not. No. Huh. The implication at the time was that it was Ellen. We never found out for sure. Right, right. Uh, which we know that Ellen is willing, or was, oh, RIP, uh, was willing and able at any time to do shitty, shady things. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, as, uh, as Lampkin uh, leaves him, uh, Baltar's like, what am I? What am I supposed to do? Like, what you can't, like, you can't just leave me here. Like, I, like, how am I supposed to get, like, work, like, set me up with a place? Like, get me, escort me to safety, and they're like, eh, you'll be fine. <laughs> you'll figure it out. And uh, Romo and Lee wander off, and there's a little heartfelt moment where Lee uh, asks him, like, you, when you put me on the stand, did you know what would happen? It's just I, I knew you were an honest man, unlike your grandfather. Uh, and then he puts down his cane that he's been walking with the whole time and just casually strolls away. I and love Lee, that. I love that. Lee looks down at it like, well, <laughs> you bamboozled. <laughs> yeah, except why? Like, what good? Because it's, I mean, I know why you do that. It's to curry sympathy, and so you see mm-hmm. more unassuming and, mm-hmm. you know, all, all of that. But what purpose does that serve in this case? But it, he... It doesn't anymore. That's why he left it. The whole time, Roma was very much playing this game of, like, you have no idea how good I actually am. Mm-hmm. I'm, and I'm, I'm going to keep it that way. And once they, they won... He no longer needed that, and he left it behind kind of as a, a nod to Lee, both as, like, now you know my strategy, but now you also understand, like, I respect you for who you are as an honest man of conviction, uh, and now you can see me as very much not that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm more like your grandfather. Um, 
In that and scene, so, what does he say exactly to um, to Baltar? Does he when Baltar says, "What am I supposed to do?" and he says, "Like you'll be fine," but he says something more pointed uh, than that. Says, uh, "Much as I hate to use a cat metaphor, I think you'll land on your feet. Close the door on your way out." So, I. <laughs> It's very funny because, to me, that's like a hint that maybe Baltar's a Cylon because cats have nine lives and Cylons regenerate. And the idea that they would give Lampkin a cat so that he could make the cat reference later to maybe hint toward Baltar's existence as a Cylon is so funny. So funny. Um, or to misdirect us. Or... Either way, anyway, for whatever reason, that they had to give him a cat so he could do that is, is really funny. Is Lampkin a Cylon? Mm-mm. No? Oh, I mean... Is Lampkin's cat a Cylon? Maybe. Now that, now that... A, a felon? <laughs> a Cylene? The only... Cylon? <laughs> that last one was the worst one, but that is what it is. Um, do you... Cyline is what Kitty's doing right now. <laughs> <sighs> I hadn't considered that he could be a Cylon, but one of the things I've been looking for all along the show are people who... We know a little bit about their backstory, but don't have any way to confirm it. And mm-hmm. he's a good example of that. All we know about his background is what he's told us. Mm-hmm. And we already know that we can't trust him. Yeah. And <laughs> At so, all. Yeah. And so with that in mind. I bet know, that accent's not even real. <laughs> and so it's in the way that anything is possible at this point, because we only know so far seven of the 12, possibly 13 Cylons. Um I guess he could be. That's a that's a great point because the the fleet has just made its final jump to the Ionian Nebula, uh, and immediately, simultaneously, every ship in the fleet loses power. Mm-hmm. But that music comes back real strong, mm-hmm. and in the midst of a, this emergency event uh, where everyone is scrambling to the, their action stations uh, and trying to figure out how to get any kind of uh, power other than the battery backups restored. Uh, we have four of our friends just kind of wandering the halls, looking, looking real lost and confused. Yes. Ty hey. realizes there there must be some kind of way out of here, or uh, maybe is it the chief? Does the chief? Yeah, the chief realizes there must be some kind of way out of here. Uh, Ty feels that that is something that was said by the Joker to the thief. <laughs> Whatever the fuck that means. And Anders wakes up with a headache in, in his rack in the, the pilot's lounge. And it's just, it's just too much confusion. Uh, at the same time, Tori is vomiting in, in the bathroom stall uh, and talking about how she just can't get no relief. <laughs> uh, and all of them stumble and wander through the halls until they all converge in a single room. Do 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 That music, the music here is so good. I I, <laughs> I dislike so so many things about this uh, this reveal and the way it's handled and the way it's no, done. No, it's 
perfect. But it really the, is. But the 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 Ty's reaction when he steps up to the door and sees the other three and goes, Oh so good. <laughs> Belligerent and confused as always. No it's, way. He's so good. He's just so perfectly Ty in that moment. Oh my god. That face that he's been making throughout these last like four episodes has just gotten progressively longer and droopy. <laughs> his face is melting off of his, his head. <laughs> it's like you gotta look at the arc. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, Tori walks in. This isn't happening. Please tell me this isn't happening. <laughs> <laughs> the chief, happening. the chief, just immediately calm acceptance. Well, that's it. After all this time, a switch goes <laughs> I'm off. Crying. Just like I'm crying. I'm joy crying right now. <laughs> and Anders, Anders doesn't believe it. He's not buying any of it. It's a trick. <laughs> come on, come on. We're not. And and none of just as he's it, about to say, around it, yeah. Tori's like, what, what was that song? Uh, and then they all just start humming. Uh, <laughs> I wish they'd broken out into like four part harmony and just like really leaned into it. <laughs> As they're all humming, all right, that's enough, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Dad bought that fracking door. <laughs> oh, he's so good. He's so good. He's so good here. I love it so much. Oh my God. And he gets uh, one of my favorite Thai speeches it's like 40 years in the service. Forty years, two wars, combat, locked in that dungeon on New Caprica. Ellen, my God, what about Ellen? Oh, <laughs> that's really heartbreaking. Cause yeah, and of course, uh, you know, Tori tries to, to you know to comfort Sam or reach out to him for comfort, whichever. He's like, no, you stay the hell away from me. <laughs> no. Stay with me, you dirty <laughs> Cylon. <laughs> And uh, the chief, again, just totally matter-of-fact, like, it's true, Sam. We're Cylons, and we have been from the start. I, that line is yeah! so good and so funny, and just it's just perfect. It is so perfect because it's for us, the viewers, more than anything, for mm-hmm. us to be like, wait, does this mean that they – how – are they, especially because in the series, in the beginning, um, the humans, as far as we know, who mm-hmm. was and wasn't, um, weren't sure that Silence weren't just, like, replacement clones. Yeah. So mm-hmm. for Tyrell to be like, just in case any of you forgot, like, we happened from the start. Well, like, you have these four people, three of whom who literally, well, no, yeah, three of whom are among... The most like vitriolic anti Cylon like haters that we have in this entire show. They like few, if anyone, few people hate Cylons more than the chief. Uh, and, sorry, than than Ty, um, but also the the chief. And I mean, we had Anders literally fighting in the, in the revolution. And Andrea resistance. Uh, sorry, the resistance. Yeah, which. Words doesn't matter. Words, words yeah. matter. kids, you don't worry about any of that. I think Caleb was about to say something. Yes, you said um, Andrea. Andrea, I'm listening. When you guessed this, uh huh, like 
a year ago. Uh-huh. <laughs> Not quite, because you know, he hasn't been in the show a year. But uh, when you guessed this months ago, it was infuriating to me. <laughs> Absolutely infuriating. Uh, because, yes, you were right, but there's yes, no, there was no reason whatsoever. Again. No like, reason whatsoever to believe that so. Anders was a Cylon. The, I don't think at that point the writers even knew he was a Cylon. Yeah. Uh, he, he, was, he was an existing person, like, Prior to the the war, he was a known like so basically a celebrity athlete. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a, on a pyramid team. He was like nowhere near the the, the attacks. Uh, he led the resistance. He fought and killed the Cylons and like just, like there was there was nothing about his character that implied that he would be uh, and I mean characterized like character that is written, not character yeah. like him like his. His, his personality, whatever. There was nothing about him that implies that he was a Cylon. And when you guessed that, I, I was See, so I mad. <laughs> <laughs> I love that y'all have just had to stay as stone-faced as possible with that. You've done a great job. Um, it is raining today, so I can't make that lap around the block like I'd promised. I'm also not at Kitsy's, which is where I said I would do it. But um, you, did, you did, however, jump up on my couch like Tom Cruise. I yes. fully, th- like thrown out of my I was like I was having an out of body experience but couldn't actually leave my body so my body came with me but I was so <laughs> overjoyed by everything happening in these last few minutes especially Anders of course though I will say so there are a couple of things about okay. Anders one is that he's a Cylon I just want to you know just make sure everybody's clear on that the pyramid, player? The, the pyramid the player is a Cylon yeah the pyramid player is a Cylon so we're both right. I love when that can happen, huh, guys? We all did a great job. So one thing, so one thing is that I was the same with Tori. I'm always looking for people whose backstories I can't have confirmed. I know we know that Anders is a pyramid player and blah, 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 all mm-hmm. that. I have theories about that, too, though. Um, we can talk about – maybe we'll save that for next week when we do our recap episode. But So that was one thing. Anytime they introduce somebody new, I'm – already reading for them to be a Cylon. The big thing at that point was we had just learned that um, Cylons and humans, as far as we know, can't, um, or that Cylons can't reproduce with other Cylons because they're missing the secret ingredient, which is Mm -hmm. love. And so anytime there was a couple on the show, I was reading them for possible Cylon. And I wasn't ready to consider Starbuck as a Cylon and there was a scene where they were in bed together and I was waiting to see somebody's spine. And I jokingly said it then, um, but then I just kind of latched onto that. And so I've been looking for reasons that might um, trouble my theory, but I don't think I was given any. And then the other thing is, as far as the timeline goes, I keep forgetting that the Cylons have only been around for 40 years. So for me, the fact that like Ty we'll talk more next week, but as far as we know, there's no reason that Ty should have been able to be a Cylon because he's been around and he was already well into his adulthood when the Cylons, you know, that whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, has not been a limiting factor for me the way it is for anybody else watching the show, but that's just because my brain doesn't work so good. Um, um, yeah. I also, like, you, you called out looking for the spines. I don't think we, like, the very brief uh, scene with, with Tori and Sam that we saw, I don't think we saw her back at all. Yeah, no. We haven't right. seen really six is the only one whose spine we've seen glowing. Right? Boomer. Oh, and Boomer. Yeah. Um, well, I, technically Athena. Right, right. But Athena pretending to be Boomer. Yeah. Do 
So you, at, at one point or another, managed to guess all four of the Cylons that are revealed in this episode. You know, there's still mm-hmm. still one left. There's the, the final two. five, so mm-hmm. there, there's still one left. Um, but even though you managed to, to guess them all at some point, like, were any of these four genuinely a surprise that, like, I can't believe this actually was right? Um. So, I, like you said, I did manage to guess all four, but I have also at times guessed pretty much everybody. Um, I think of the four, Anders was probably the least surprising to me, but that might only be because I'm stubborn and it was a bit, and so I was so invested in that. Um, I think... I, I still... I think Tyrell's a surprise to me. I think they may have given us the most evidence as for why Tyrell may have been a Cylon, Um but I think I was reading a lot of that as kind of because he has this spiritual background and that, you know, <clears throat> he's got these parents who have this history and that we've seen a lot of overlap between the, like, Cylon origin and lore and all of that and the humans, like, religious stuff, too. And I thought maybe that's what was going on there more than the possibility of him actually being a Cylon. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think of the four, he was probably the most surprising. Ty is the one who could have gone either way for me, but I so wanted him to be a Cylon that it was just, it was, I was so happy with that reveal that even though I wasn't fully surprised, it was just, it felt so good to have it confirmed that it still felt like, uh, like a surprise. Like it was just, I was so excited for that. Okay. So uh, as they're, they're, they're standing around kind of dumbfounded and found it and they're like, well, what are we going to do now? Like, what, what, what do we do with this information? And uh, Ty has this moment where he's like, the ship is under attack. We do our jobs. <laughs> report to your stations. And the chief's like, report to stations. <laughs> you know? And then we get to the, the line that Kitsy uh, brought us in on, where he says, you know, my name is Saul Ty. I'm an officer of the Colonial Fleet. Whatever else I am, whatever else it means, that's the man I want to be. And if I die today, that's the man I'll be. Um, I love him. So we have this emergency situation. We have this big reveal. And uh, we have to do a season recap. So we're going to end right here. And uh, we'll, we'll give you a little bit of a cliffhanger for when we come back Ooh. to next week's episode. We're going to finish off with the, uh, the last big bombshell of this episode, uh, as well as take We're a, not talking about six. Hey! As well as take a look back uh, through season three and a, a look ahead to uh, what Andrea is, is expecting and looking forward to in season four. Uh, so we're going to sp- try to spool up our FTL drives. The power is still out. Uh, And we'll see you next week. So say we all. So say we all. So say we all. Begin jump prep. We're leaving. We'll be back. Start your prep. Set Condition One is a Night Shift Radio production. Visit nightshiftradio.com for more information.